The following teaching is possible thanks to the friends and partners of Spirit and Truth Fellowship International. A couple of weeks ago, Pat Sweeney from Ireland taught, and he shared something that was, and every time he does, he always shares something so simple, yet so beautiful and profound. Um, I, I just, I love listening to him teach. And he, he shared that uh, kind of a common theme in his teaching that after the resurrection and the ascension of Jesus Christ, Jesus didn't retire. <laughs> and I thought, what a profound statement. Jesus did not retire, that he's still involved. He's the head of the body of Christ, that he's involved intimately in our lives. And I let that rattle around in my head for a long time. And preparing for tonight, I thought, you know, we don't get to retire either. I'll be 66 on Monday, uh, which for me, that's full retirement age. And I've been considering retiring and what that's going to look like, you know, and uh, quit my day job. And, uh, you know, what happens then? What am I going to do? So I'm, I'm working this through in my mind. And I got to thinking about what we do with our calling. In, in uh, Dave prayed about being so thankful that God called us out of darkness. That he called us out of darkness. Um, and then uh, I believe it was Joyce. That, that brought forth a prophecy, and it, he, she said, or the Lord said, I, I've known you before your mother's womb. This calling that we talk about, that we've been called out of darkness into light, that we were called to redemption, we were called to salvation, we, we were called, we're, in fact, the Bible says we are the called ones. It's a very important concept to understand. If I titled this teaching, I'd title it, No Retirement. <laughs> we don't get to retire from that calling. That, that, that's an awesome thing. Because payday is really cool. <laughs> but, um, and I think most of you would understand the concept of the calling. You know, I, I hope you do. Um, it's not the Calvinistic view, which many of us were brought up with a Calvinistic understanding of the calling, you know, that God preordained all of us, that God specifically said, okay, Christine, I'm, I'm picking her because I know that she's going to believe me. I'm picking her. But, you know, Dennis, eh, you know, not so much because Dennis probably isn't going to listen. He's not going to obey me, right? So I'm not picking Dennis, but I'm picking Christine because you know, she's going to be one of the chosen ones. It's this whole thing of preordination, predestination. Well, that's not exactly how that should be understood. That is a Calvinistic approach to this concept of the calling. And because Calvin taught just that, you know, I'm picking Frank because I like Frank. Frank's cool guy. I like Frank, so I'm picking Frank, but Joyce, not so much, Joyce. Sorry, Tulu. 
You know, that's Calvinism. And that is not our God. That is not the way it worked. Look at Romans chapter 8. And if you really want to get a grasp on this, the calling and the called, how that works, please eventually go to John Shane Height's uh, commentary on the REV with, uh, concerning Romans chapter 8, verses 28 through 30. And it's a, he has a fantastic write-up about it. And it's important that we understand this. In Romans 8, 28, now we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, even to those who are the called ones, in accordance with his purpose, his purpose. Because those who he foreknew, he also decided in advance would be conformed to the image of his son, in order that he would be the firstborn among many brethren, that you and me. And those whom he decided in advance, these he also called. And those whom he called, these he also declared righteous. And those whom he declared righteous, these he also glorified. In this word called is uh, kletos. I think that's how, you know, there's several different variations of the word depending on if it's an adjective, a verb, or a noun. Kletos. And in the Gospels, and, and also in the epistles from time to time, it's used at, as an invitation. You were invited. You were called. But then in the epistles, it also takes on a very technical meaning, a new understanding, if you will, in the epistles, where those that answered the call then become the ones that were called, the called ones, because they picked up the phone and answered. It's as if you know, God sent out a calling to all of humanity from day one. Come to me. I'm going to restore the, the creation. Come for reconciliation, salvation, restoration. He put out the call to everyone. But not everybody picked up the phone. You know, the phone rang and rang and rang and rang for some. And, you know, caller ID didn't show that it was God. You know, it just it was a call. You picked up the call. You picked up the phone and said, yes. And the Lord invited you to come to salvation. And you said, certainly, I'll be there. You are now one of the called ones. And it, that technical understanding of the word called shows up mostly in the epistles. Let's go look at Matthew chapter 22 real fast. This is uh, the parable of the wedding feast. Uh, Jesus is teaching the disciples about the kingdom of heaven. This is a great, it's a wonderful record. Verse 1, and Jesus answered and spoke again in parables to them, saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king, being, you know, he's, God is the king here in this parable, like a certain king who prepared a wedding feast for his son. And he sent out his slaves to call those who had been invited to the wedding feast, and they did not come. You know, so here God, he puts out the call, come to the wedding feast. I've prepared a huge feast. 
come to the feast, and they didn't come. Again, he sent out other slaves saying, this is verse four, tell those who have been invited, look, I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and the fatted calf cattle have been butchered and everything is ready. Come to the wedding feast and the aroma of this feast is brewing at, in the kingdom. But they, having paid no attention, went off, one to his own farm, another to his business, and the rest, having seized his slaves, mistreated and even killed them, referring to like the prophets. Um, verse 7, the king was enraged, so he sent his armies and he destroyed those murderers and burned their city. Then he says to his slaves, the wedding feast is ready, but the ones who have been invited were not worthy. Therefore, go to the main streets, and as many as you find there, invite them to the wedding feast. And those slaves went out on the roads and gathered together everyone they found, both wicked and good. And the wedding feast was filled with those who reclined to eat. But the king came in to see those reclined to eat, and he saw a man who was not clothed in wedding clothing. He says to him, friend, how did you enter not having wedding clothing? And the man was speechless. Uh, he could have said, I didn't have any wedding clothing. But he didn't. He was speechless. Then the king said to the servants, bind him hand your foot and cast him out into the outer darkness. There will be sobbing and gnashing of teeth, referring to the day of judgment. But verse 14, for many are called, invited. Many are invited but few are chosen. Why are few chosen? Because God only chooses Michelle or Larry or Vicki or Judy or Donna? No, because few answered the call. Few came to the feast. That's the understanding of this. You know, God has called all humanity. It says that in Timothy, I wish that all men be saved and come unto a knowledge of the truth. All humanity has been called, few chosen, because few pick up the phone and answer the call. And it's a call that we cannot, that we don't get to retire from. We may not have known that when we answered the phone, <laughs> but it's true. We don't get to retire from that. Hopefully that I've explained that well enough. But I urge you to read John Shanehite's commentary on these verses in Romans 8, where he uh, talks about this, the, the common usage of the word for called, and then how it takes on a technical nuance or a technical meaning in the epistles, where it goes from invitation to because you answered the phone, you are now one of the called ones. Um, and that's what it was saying there in Romans 8, those who are the called ones. Look at 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, please. 2 Thessalonians 2, verses 13 and 14. And I say we can't retire from this because there's, there's, a, a, there's a reason we can't. Look at verse 13. But we are obligated to give thanks to God always for you, brothers and sisters. Beloved of the Lord, because God chose you as the first fruits to be saved. He chose you again because you chose Him. He, the call went out to everybody. 
God wanted everybody to pick up the phone. He wanted everybody to answer the call, but only some did. And he chose you in the sense because you chose him. To be saved in connection with holiness produced by the spirit and belief in the truth. He called you to this through our good news. What a great line. Paul says, how did God call you? He called you because of the good news that we preached to you. And you listened and heard and obeyed. You now have become one of the called ones. So you, And so that or so you can obtain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. That is the, that's the goal. That's the end of the calling that we obtain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. How cool is that? You know, and, and that's something that we don't get to retire from. This is an ongoing process throughout our lives, no matter where we are in the stage of our life. Go to Romans eleven twenty nine. You know this verse by heart, I'm sure. Um, obviously, I'm reading out of the REV. If you're reading out of a different version of the Bible, it's going to read slightly different than what I've been reading. But um, for me, the REV is the Bible of choice now. I, I love the REV. I love the commentary. The thing is so rich. You know, 20 years of, of people's lives have gone into the revised English version. And, and you know, it's the only Unitarian Bible out there. There's no other Unitarian Bible in, in existence. And it is a tool that is, there's no value. You can't put a value on it. You know? But Romans 11, 29, real simple. For the gifts and the callings of, or calling of God are irrevocable. It can't be revoked. God can't revoke them. And you can't either. You know, sorry, wrong, wrong number. <laughs> no, it doesn't work. You know, you can't do that. You can walk, you can neglect the calling. You can neglect it and not do anything with it. You can neglect the gifts that we've been given, the gift of Holy Spirit. You can, you can choose not to participate in the manifestations of Holy Spirit, but you, you can't revoke it. You can't say, I, I don't want it no more. Uh, no, no wrong. It wasn't a wrong number. We picked up the phone. We answered the call. And they are irrevocable. God called. He invited us to participate in redemption by way of salvation. We answered the phone. We were given the gift of Holy Spirit. Also, individual gifts. Be that of a caretaker. Be that healings, miracle worker. Be that someone who just loves to, to serve. My brother-in-law, his name is Butch. He's one of the most humble people I've known. And when we were at a certain college campus in Rome City, he was in charge of housekeeping. He had worked in the janitorial field most of his adult life. And so he was in charge of housekeeping. And he waxed those floors until they were like a mirror. And there wasn't a speck of dust on a, on a piece of floorboard, you know, the, the baseboard around the walls. No dust on the doors. He kept that place 
it shiny clean and why? Because he wanted the people that lived there to live in an environment that was beautiful, clean, and a blessing. He was a servant. He served. That was his calling. That's what the Lord worked in his heart to do. And he did it with all of his heart. And there'll be rewards for the things that he has done in his life as an accumulation when we'll get to that. So we were given these gifts of Holy Spirit and, and the gift that you have to give to the body of Christ. And we were called to function within that body. And the call will be rewarded according to how we respond to that calling. First Corinthians chapter one. Ah, we don't have to go there. I'll just read it. For consider your calling, he says. Paul says, brothers and sisters, not many wise according to the flesh, not many powerful, not many noble of noble birth are called. What he's really saying, not many of those answer. Yeah, go there, first Corinthians one. It's 26. It's, it's not that God doesn't call these people. God wants everybody to be saved. But he says, for, consider your calling, brothers and sisters. And that calling includes your answer to the call. That not many wise according to the flesh, not many powerful, not many of noble birth are called. Yeah, they are called. They didn't answer. So this is that technical use of that word called. But God chose the no good things of the world, me, put, to put to shame those who are wise. And God chose the weak things of the world to put to shame to the things that are strong and the low-born things of the world and the things that are treated with contempt. God has chosen these and these things that are not to bring to nothing the things that are, so that no flesh can boast before God. And it's, it's funny that not many of the noble and not many of the wise and not many of the rich and not many that are lauded to the sky by, by mankind answer the call. A few do, and there are very wonderful people that are rich, that are humble, and, and, and utilize those things that God has given them for the glory of God and for the benefit of the body of Christ. But it says here, not many. Not many answer the call. So he's encouraging you, consider your calling, what the Lord has done in your life. Like Dave said in his prayer, thank you for calling us out of darkness. You know, for knowing us, what God knew about us, it wasn't that he knew Michelle Ruth or that he knew Donica Tulum or that he knew Thomas Fennell from before the foundation of the world. He knew that he put the call out, his plan, and that some would answer. He knew that some would answer. And, and once you answered, he says, I knew you because I knew someone would answer my phone call. Ephesians chapter one, I'm, and I apologize for my emotions. It's been a real emotional 16 weeks. So I apologize for that. 
Um, Ephesians 1, verse 15. Because of this also, after hearing of your trust in the Lord Jesus and the love that you have for all the holy ones, I do not stop giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, will give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, since the eyes of your heart have been enlightened, so that you will know what is the hope to which he called you. That's the end game. That's the end game, the hope. That's when it all comes together and is finalized. When, when we put on our new body, when we finally shed this old nature, when we are living the salvation that we've been promised, that when it all comes together, that's the hope to which he called you. That's, that's the end game of the redemption. That's the goal, the finish line. And he called us to that. And part of that is our rewards. The reward that we have when he says to you, well done, faithful servant. Well done, my child. When he looks you in the eye and says that, and it says that, that you will know what is the hope to which he has called you. What are the riches of his, his glorious inheritance among the holy ones? Look at chapter 4, verse 1. Therefore, I, the prisoner of the Lord, urge you. Because of all this stuff that came before in chapters 1, 2, and 3, part of what we just read. I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you were called. Why? Because there's a payday. Because there's a payday. And we and you can't retire from it. We cannot retire. So what is our payday going to be like? What do you want it to be like? Philippians chapter three. Paul never retired. He says so in Philippians three, verse 10. My goal, this is Paul. This is the Apostle Paul. Everything that you know that he did, and he, here he says, my goal is to know him. <laughs> he met him personally on the road to Damascus. But my goal is to know him, to experience the power of his resurrection and the sharing of his suffering becoming conformed to his death. And so in some way, I may arrive at the resurrection out from among the dead. You need to read the commentary on the, that verse to, to grasp it. We don't have, I'm not gonna spend that time right now, but verse 12, not that I've already attained it, obtained it, or have already reached the goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which also Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself as having taken hold of it, but one thing I do, letting go of those things that are behind. And part of that is our old life, you know, the old self, and, the, and just letting go of that and reaching forward to the things which are before and what's up before us, our hope. That's what's before us. 
the hope. And how do we reach forward for those things that are before us? By walking worthy of the calling to which we were called. That's how we reach forward. I press on toward the goal in order to win the prize of the upward calling of God in connection with Christ Jesus. Pretty cool. Yeah, we can look at 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. There's so many verses on this word called and calling. Maybe take time to go through the scriptures and look at all of them. It's pretty amazing stuff. When you understand what he's saying, that the calling went out to all of humanity. We picked up the phone and answered God's call. How cool do you think he thinks that is? He thinks that's cool. Verse 3 in Second Thessalonians 1. Paul again praying. He says, we are obligated to always give thanks to God for all of you, brothers and sisters, as it is fitting because your trust is growing abundantly. And the love of each one of you all towards one another is increasing. Therefore, we ourselves boast about you in the churches of God concerning your endurance and trust in all your persecution and in the afflictions that you are enduring, which are a clear indication of the righteous judgment of God, not judgment on you. But the righteous judgment that is coming is what he's talking about, that you are counted worthy of the kingdom of God, for which you are also suffering. For indeed, it is a righteous thing with God to repay with affliction those who are afflicting you and to give relief to those who are being afflicted, as well as to us, when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his powerful angels in flaming fire inflicting vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the good news of our Lord Jesus. They will pay the penalty, everlasting destruction from the face of the Lord and from the glory of his strength. On that day, which is the day of judgment, on that day, when he comes to be glorified by his holy ones, you, and to be marveled by all those who believe, you, this includes you, because our testimony to you was believed. And in view of this, we always pray for you that our God will count you worthy of your calling. And by his power, fulfill every desire for goodness and every work of trust. So that the name of our Lord Jesus will be glorified in you and you in him. In accord with the grace of our, of our God and of our Lord Jesus Christ. No, and then Second Peter, I'm going to close there. Second Peter 1. This is kind of a difficult verse, but this is what it's saying. Verse 10. Therefore, brothers and sisters, be all the more diligent to be sure of your calling and choice. For if you do these things, you will absolutely not stumble. To be sure of your calling and choice. What a beautiful statement that is. To make it firm in your life. To make it sure within your life is what he's saying. Be sure of that calling. Make it firm. Make it resolute. For if you do these things, you will absolutely not stumble. For in this way, 
the entrance into the kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ will be richly provided to you in the age to come. And that's the end goal. That's the end of our work uh, when we enter into God's rest. But right now, we continue to work because we can't retire.